You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tuesday morning in Tuscaloosa. It is time once again for Southern Pride Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. It is the holiday season, and one of the many great things about the holiday season, especially at Peterbrook, is that it signals the return of the peppermint bark. Oof, that stuff is dynamite. You've got the thin, dark chocolate foundation layer, and then there's the white chocolate with bits of peppermint in it. Oh, my goodness. Great, great stuff. The peppermint bark is back at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by the producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute man. Woo! Yeah, there he is. Nate's getting a little old. Got to wait on him sometimes. Of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, I bet you're doing good this morning. You're not doing as good as Kirk Cousins, though. Kirk Cousins got that first ever Monday night football win last night against Joe Gaithers. Monsters. Monsters of the Midway up there in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, the Monsters of the Midway does refer to defense, which the Bears have in spades. But, man, I don't know what you do about that offense. I told Gary <laughs> that, that they're this year's Pittsburgh Steelers. The only problem is they don't have a Hall of Fame quarterback to wait on to come back next year and solve all their problems. Yeah, it's tough, man. And uh, Nick Foles is injured last night. And, uh, you go back to Trubisky and ugh, tough spot for the Chicago Bears. But uh, Kirk Cousins, one and nine now on the Monday night football after the Vikings win uh, at Soldier Field last night. Um, we got a lot to get into on the program, by the way, including the fact that uh, Jacob Harrison's glorious run as a Steelers fan to this undefeated start. It comes to an end this weekend. Comes to an end this weekend, Jacob. The mighty Jacksonville Jaguars, our Jacksonville Jaguars, going to rise up. Going to rise up, Jacob. You know it's coming. Oh, yeah. Duval brings it, yeah. Jake Luton. He's going to have a little something for you. James Robinson's about to win me a fantasy championship, so I, I at least respect him. Number 30, he's my guy. I screwed up on James Robinson. My brother works for the Jacksonville Jaguars. My younger brother, he works in video. And so he sees every practice. Uh, he, he interacts with players, coaches. He's right there with the Jaguars. And he told me very early on in the preseason, James Robinson, he told me, he said, this guy, James Robinson, is going to be our starting running back. I said, what are you talking about? You know, they had made some moves in the offseason. Um Leonard Fournette at the time was still there. He said, no, he said, Fournette will end up being third or fourth or gone altogether. And he said, James Robinson's going to be the guy. So I went into my fantasy draft with that type of intel. And I still, I got greedy in the draft. I tried to, I figured I'm the smartest guy in the draft. Nobody else really knows about uh, Robinson here. I'm going to wait till the fifth round or so and kind of drop him in there. And uh, I got snookered on that. 
And so I didn't get James Robinson. And I've paid dearly for that. So good for you, Jacob. Uh, I, I, I had the intel and still screwed it up. Sounds about right, doesn't it? 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolate Tour Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on this Tuesday morning, you are welcome to do so. We're going to talk with Brent Beard, College Sports Today, and First Coast News. We'll tour the Southeastern Conference as we know it as of this minute for the upcoming weekend. We'll get into some other topics as well. With Brent, certainly the dismissal of Will Muschamp at South Carolina will be on that list. You know... You have layaway in the holiday season for shopping, or you used to anyway. That's probably a thing of the past. And then you have go away for coaches, it seems like, more and more during the holiday season. And layaway, you know, you could kind of pay on something, pay on a gift, pay on that new bike, that new Huffy BMX bike, you know, that your uh, your kid back in the 70s might have wanted. Uh, now you do it. Sort of the same way, but you do it to get coaches to go away. You pay over time for these coaches and these buyouts now uh, to go away. We'll talk about Will Muschamp with Brent Beard coming up. Had some fun talking about that situation with the kid, Gary Harris, uh, in the previous hour here on Tide 100.9 FM. And Gary brought up the name Jeff Munkin, head coach at Army, as a real candidate for that job in Columbia. And... Now, the point I made to Gary is the one I'll stand by if, in fact, that does come to fruition. I'm not convinced at this point that it will be Jeff Munkin. But if you look at South Carolina football right now, South Carolina's comp in the ACC, you could say, is, say, Georgia Tech, right? And you look at what Georgia Tech accomplished under previous head coach Paul Johnson running the very same offense that Jeff Munkin does. I know we like to have fun at the expense of the antiquated, the outdated triple option offense. But we're into year two of Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. And have you seen anything yet that leads you to believe that Tech will accomplish anything on the level of what Paul Johnson pulled off there on the flats? I haven't. And I think Jeff Collins is a good football coach. That's not the point. I think the point is, with South Carolina, you can't get caught up in trying to be Clemson. You can't be Clemson. As much as anything, I don't think you can be Clemson because you're in the wrong league. You can't be Clemson because you're not in the ACC. You know, you're still going to be in the SEC, and whereas the SEC East has been the far weaker of the two divisions for the last decade plus, there is a bit of a come up that you're sensing with the SEC East. We'll see if it's real. But when you look at what Paul Johnson did at Georgia Tech, uh, two-time, back-to-back, Division I AA Coach of the Year. That was at Georgia Southern. He was a three-time ACC Coach of the Year, 2008, 2009, 2014. He beat, you know, with all this about kind of the school and the programs across the state or down the road for Georgia Tech with Georgia, for South Carolina with Clemson, Paul Johnson beat Dabo Sweeney, Mark Rick, and Kirby Smart during his time at Georgia Tech. But, you know, we got to get up to speed. We got to get to where we're in the new, in the next century with our approach to offense and the ability to go out and recruit the big-time prospects. Okay, that's fine. But what realistically is your ceiling as a program? What has South Carolina's ceiling been throughout the history of its program, especially since it's joined the SEC? Other than the couple of three years where Spurrier had the runs of 10 win seasons, none of which, by the way, netted an SEC championship, did get to the championship game in 2010, as we know. That was the year, the last year, in fact, that an SEC Eastern Division opponent has beaten Alabama with South Carolina in 2010. One of the more remarkable stats that's out there, and there are more than a few when you talk about this run under Nick Saban at Alabama. So South Carolina played for the SEC title in the Cam Newton season. And did you know, even in that year, South Carolina lost, I believe it was five games. I think South Carolina had a record of like nine and five. It wasn't like South Carolina beat 
Alabama and pretty much everybody else on the schedule and then just lost to Auburn in the Southeastern Conference Championship game. There were still four-plus losses for that South Carolina team with Marshawn Lattimore, with Alshon Jeffrey, with Melvin Ingram, loaded. In the secondary, you look at that team, a couple of NFL guys, big time, all pro types in that secondary. So if we're talking about realistic expectations, for me, Jeff Munkin makes some sense for South Carolina. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. You got the NBA draft tomorrow night, virtual NBA draft. What about it, Jacob Harrison? You an NBA guy or not? I'm getting there. I'm trying. It, You're it, trying. It, You're efforting. Yeah. I mean, Zion helps a lot with getting me into the NBA, but I, I still got a little ways to go. Well, what if you talk about Zion? What if our New Orleans Pelicans draft Kyra Lewis Jr. tomorrow night to go along with Zion? Would you take another step into the NBA boat if it were to go that way? Or would that impact you at all? I'd probably have to get a Pelicans t-shirt at that point. A t-shirt, not a jersey, but a t-shirt. So that's a pretty big step in and of itself. You saw Drew Holiday traded from the Pelicans to the Milwaukee Bucks, seemingly paving the way even more so. You'd already seen Kyra in some mock drafts linked to the Pelicans. With Holiday on the move now, that makes almost too much sense, doesn't it? Kyra tomorrow night at 13 to the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into some Nick Saban comments on the show today as well from yesterday. You know, this week for me, everybody's kind of low-keying this game with Kentucky. I guess as much as anything, there's uncertainty week to week now for so many fans about what the hell's actually going to happen on that given Saturday. You know, is it even going to be Kentucky this week? I get that. But, uh, you know, Alabama, a 30-point favorite in this game against Kentucky, and it's, uh, you know, but I think the Kentucky offense is going to tell us a lot about where this Alabama defense is right now and where this Alabama defense might be headed as soon as next Saturday when an Auburn team is expected to come to Tuscaloosa and conceptually in terms of how it goes about its business on offense and the personnel and how it is utilized, including a quarterback that will make plays or try to make plays with his legs, I think you're going to get a pretty good gauge of more so where this defense really is, even more so than Georgia provided you, more so than Tennessee, certainly more so than Mississippi State. Look, the shutout of MSU was encouraging. I'm not saying it wasn't, but that's about as punchless of a Mississippi State offense as you'll ever see. You know, even compared, you know, the Moorhead offense never really scared you much in his two seasons in Starkville. And Alabama did shut out state in 2018, but at least you felt more threatened by that offense than you did Mississippi State a couple of three Saturdays ago. And that just wouldn't happen. Well, there's going to be many more challenges presented to the Alabama defense in some areas where Ole Miss exploited about a month ago. So uh, we'll get an update. We'll get a checkup. We'll get a progress report on Pete Golding's guys on Saturday afternoon at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Let's go out to Texas, check in with our good friend Cowboy on this Tuesday morning. Cowboy, how you doing? All right, Travis, how are you? I'm hanging in there, my man. That's good, so am I. Hey, um, I heard you speaking with Gary. Um, I really think the Munkin hire at South Carolina would be the best move they can make. Did I talk um, you into it? Did I talk you into it, Cowboy? No, no, Did I talk no. you into I Jeff Monk? And... Uh-uh. I suggested it to him yesterday. Oh, okay. All right. All and, right. And um, via the tech, or, you know, but I suggested it to him because Billy Napier, to me, I think he's got a bigger job in him. And if you go to South Carolina, can you do as well? as Dan Mullen did at Mississippi State to parlay it to the better job, I think mm-hmm. he should have taken Mississippi State if he wanted to to use the SEC to parlay to another SEC job. Yeah. So, 
I, you know, and, and that's interesting because I, I think like Georgia Tech and the ACC, there's certainly parallels that can be drawn between State and in uh, South Carolina, for sure. Very similar uh, trajectories if you're a coach trying to make those moves. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think Billy Napier is a good coach. I, I don't know if I've seen enough to think that he's a, a, a the next Dan Mullen. Maybe he is. He very well could be. Um, well, but, I'm, I'm thinking in logic there. Go to Mississippi State. You do well there. You got you got an upside. You've seen it happen there. You have mm-hmm. not seen any coach from South Carolina leave and go to a better SEC job. No, you haven't. Now, look, we've seen South Carolina go to sort of the – to the fading star, so to speak. You had Lou Holtz in there, yeah, you know, yeah, at the yeah. back end of his deal. Steve Spurrier, obviously, at the back end of his deal. I'm not saying that can't work because this is likely Nick Saban's last job here in Tuscaloosa, and it's worked out pretty good for Alabama. Now, different animals entirely when we're talking about Alabama in comparison to uh, South Carolina, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Carolina did go sort of to the – not the older coach, but still a retread and, and right. Will Muschamp. And, and that certainly didn't work out well at all either. But, but Munkin would give coaches fit. He stood up well against Oklahoma two years ago in Norman mm-hmm. and could have won the football game. It had to go to overtime for Oklahoma to win. They had the great Kyler Murray on that team, which threw mm-hmm. that incredible pass Sunday. Um, so... I guess what I'm trying to say here is I, I believe for South Carolina, that's their high. You know, I, I, we're on the same wavelength. It's just that you're making more of the comparison with, with you, know, uh, you know, Mississippi State, and, and I'm looking more at it. And it's the same thing, you know, in terms of the, the programs that sort of are in that neighborhood with South Carolina and the projectability to something beyond. You know, I think there's – I don't think it's just South Carolina either. I think Nebraska needs to go back to its roots and more of an option type approach uh, to offense because similar to South Carolina and Mississippi State and Georgia Tech, you know, I don't see Nebraska being uh, a constant in the recruiting rankings when we talk top five, top ten classes on an annual basis. I I know Mm -hmm. their fan base still it's fresh enough to the 90s. Uh, where they had the three national championship teams in four years that, you know, they believe they should be at that level on a consistent basis. But, you know, how did they get there back then? It wasn't with the spread offense or uh, pro style offense. It was, you know, it was option oriented, veer oriented power, you know? Right. Right. And then, you know, he, he could hire an elite, elite defensive coordinator. I mean, he, He's got a guy coaching for Mac Brown at North Carolina now that was his D coordinator at Army, um, and he he was at Georgia Southern. He, you know, Paul Johnson. You know, people got burnt out on it, but you look at his record at Georgia Tech; it was pretty darn salty considering their situation. And, well, as um, we talked about with Gary, is it's is, is it realistic to think Jeff Collins? Um, is going to win an ACC championship or four ACC coastal coastal division championships? Because that's what yeah. Paul Johnson did at Georgia Tech, right? You know, right? Is he going to beat Dabo? Is he going to beat Kirby mm-hmm. at some point? Maybe. But you know, Billy Napier also coached at Clemson. Yeah, and he. You know, I think he, I think, and then, you know, the same thing kind of happened with South Carolina when they hired Muschamp in 16. They were going to hire Kirby Smart, and then Georgia pre-umpted him and got um, got rid of Mark Rick and then hired Kirby mm-hmm. because. Kirby was smart. I mean, Kirby, Kirby was in the mix with Arkansas, South Carolina. Interviewed at Auburn too, as I recall. Yeah, he he would have taken that Auburn job, from what I understand. But 
coach like Pat. I heard Pat Dye wanted him, but you know he he'd been perfect for Auburn, and I think Jeremy Pruitt would be perfect at Auburn more so than Tennessee. But mm-hmm. you know you got to go with fits, and sounds like Monken's got a you know benefactor in the president. But I yeah, know, that helps. It, it would be fun to see that stuff. I mean, it gets old after a while, but for about two, about three or four years, five years, they chop blocking your knees. A lot of these five stars, they don't like that, and they'll. Just uh, Nick Saban, is, Nick Saban's fine with it staying out of the league. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. You think Nick Saban would like to see that at a Western Division school on a on an annual basis? No, no. no. Yeah, All right, my man. All right. Well. uh, Take care of yourself, and uh, you think the Jags are Justin Fields headed for a I think they, they, they have to be if they have the opportunity. I think they have to be, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, right. I don't think they have a choice on that deal. And well, even if they have right. to trade up, even if they're not in the top two, they've got enough capital that to get themselves to two, they're going to have to probably do that, I would think. Yeah. Because once you get past – once you get past Lawrence and Fields, look, Zach Wilson is is a fascinating prospect at BYU. Uh, you know, Mac has done some nice things. Trask is coming on. They have to go slam dunk at quarterback this time, in my opinion. I think Mac would be. He throws a good deep ball, and his arm looks pretty strong going to the boundary. Mac might be your guy in New England. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe early Brady Brady esque Mac Jones. Yeah. yeah. I figured the news media would be talking about this week. I didn't see any articles or anything, but I guess we're early in the week about, you know, Mac was committed to Kentucky and what was his thinking and changing to Alabama and you knew uh-huh. Google was coming in. That'd be an interesting story to see what he really you know, his thinking was there. I don't think I've read anything. You know, we, we did an interview what, with Mac here on the program when that happened. And uh, we may have to pull that up and replay that because we certainly yeah. asked him about it at the time. And, you know, at the time he was, he was very intent with being a developmental guy as the second quarterback to Tua in that 2017 yep. class. That didn't, that didn't, he, he talked the game that a lot of kids can talk at that point, but he actually walked it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. getting to this point. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's been interesting. Hey, Cowboy, we appreciate the call. Yeah. Good talking with you. There he goes, Cowboy checking in on a Tuesday. Real quick, we'll go to Steve before we'll head to a break. Steve, how you doing this morning? Doing good, my man, Travis. Just headed over to headed over to, um, Chocolate House to get me some of that chocolate bark you're talking about. Oh, that peppermint <laughs> chocolate. That peppermint that, bark. Yeah. Peppermint that peppermint that peppermint bark is fit to eat. I know. I know. It's all that's, I need. Something pretty, else, right? Special stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm glad they got it. I've, I've had it over there before. And it, it, Seasonal. It, it is tasty. tasty. It's like the McRib, you know, kind of at McDonald's. <laughs> Can't get it every day year round. I know, but they're going to have to start figuring out the way they get that year round. <laughs> what else is going on, my out. man? Uh, hey, listen, this South Carolina, you know, they're, they're going to have to go offensive. Um, I don't I don't think hiring a defensive-minded head coach is, is – is the way to go anymore for them. They're going to have to find somebody that can light it up. Jim Harbaugh is going to be a pretty good candidate for that. I think Jim Harbaugh for South Carolina. <laughs> How about that? Very well could be. I think I think Michigan might be willing to make yeah. a really good deal on Jim Harbaugh to yeah, the folks I, in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Gently, gently used Jim Harbaugh, they'll call him, <laughs> in making that deal. Gently used. Gently used. Listen, uh-huh. one quick question, and I'll let you go. Uh, Keenan Robinson, where is he? What's his story? Uh, There hasn't been any formal announcement, but there was a lot of talk in the preseason that Keenan Robinson, the second-year running back for Alabama, would opt out for the 2020 season, and we have yet to see him this year. So, uh, yeah, I like Keenan Robinson. You know, I I like – he's not the biggest guy, but when he had the opportunities last year, (laughs) as Nick Saban said, brought a lot of juice. And – uh, you know, we'll okay. see. I, I'm not exactly sure what he's going to do next. If he's still going to be here, if he's going to make the move, I don't know. Well, that guy could move the chains by as good as anybody. Yeah, tiring uh, defense. Even no, no bigger than he was or is. You know, I yeah. I enjoyed watching him run. Me too. 
Hey, Steve, right, we got to do this. Hey, listen, have a great day, bud. Thanks a lot, my man. Enjoy that peppermint bark. Yeah, Keelan Robinson isn't what tiring defenses like to see in the second half. We're going to head to a break. We come back. Brent Beard on a Tuesday right after this. A beautiful afternoon, a sunny sky with a high at 64. Cold again tonight, clear with a low at 37. Sunny weather continues tomorrow and Thursday. Highs between 63 and 66. Friday, mostly sunny with a high at 69. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It is that time on Tuesdays when we tour the Southeastern Conference with the incomparable Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Brent, I'm not sure exactly where to start. You know, we sort of... <laughs> At this point, we're tiptoeing on eggshells, mm-hmm. anticipating, hopefully, a, a semi-full weekend of SEC football on the horizon for us. Although we already know Ole Miss and Texas A&M has been postponed. Been a rough couple of weeks for that CBS spot, hasn't it? Oh boy, it really has. Uh, they're uh, very. Uh, I mean, it's just like clockwork for them, and that just really hasn't happened at this point. So uh, they're going to have to um, rebound quickly. Uh, They've got some games coming up that that will make up for some of that. But, you know, Trey, we've got Maction tonight, which always helps. (laughs) We've got the Tuesday, Wednesday, one-two punch again. That's right. You know? I like that. Absolutely. We got some we got some cool weather down here, as you know, uh, of your times here that we have some of those times in November where it's as coolish down here as it is anywhere else. But that's that's just good football weather, frankly. And we're, and we're, we're ready to go. Yeah. And I think there's a hot football team down your way in the Florida Gators right now. And wanted to ask you about maybe the vibe down there among the Gator fans. Is the confidence level with that Florida fan base down there, Brent, to the point where they're ready to take on the the, uh, the literally 10,000-pound elephant in the league in the <laughs> Alabama Crimson Tide? What's the confidence level right now of the uh, Florida fan base? I think that confidence level in the offense is rather high, but usually when I'm asked a question from Gator fans, it goes something like this. We really like Kyle Trask. Is he going to win the Heisman? But I'm still not sure about that defense. So, uh, that, Trav, that's what we've heard over the last few weeks. Yeah, it has been an impressive run, especially against Arkansas Saturday night with no Kyle Pitts. Didn't really miss a beat, that Florida offense. But you're right. You talk about giving up explosive plays. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, the 75-yarder, um, by Zamir White to open the Georgia game, and then a couple of uh, big ones from Arkansas on Saturday night there in the swamps. I've said it before, team that kind of mirrors Alabama in some ways, and I think it's, yeah. as much as anything for Alabama and Florida, you know, it's up to their defenses at this point to sort of show us that the, these are actually legitimate national championship caliber teams. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Kyrie Campbell coming back, Trav, has helped them tremendously because what he's done is he's allowed Zach Carter and some of these guys to go to their natural position. So by doing that, uh, that has helped them. Now, again, since the A&M game, um, and this is something we talked about earlier, their third down uh, conversions uh, as far as getting teams off the field, 
has frankly gone up considerably and improved. So, uh, you know, again, uh, as you pointed out many times, it's no longer how many yards you give up. It's, it's can you get a team off the field on third down and also uh, and red zone defense and turnovers, and the Gators yeah. are improving there. Yeah, we've heard Nick Saban even this season refer to it as stops over stats. Yeah, right. Just get off the field <laughs> enough, right? True. With these offenses for both Alabama and Florida capable of doing the things uh, they've done. Uh, a couple of takeaways a game and a couple of stops a half in general, and they're going to typically be in pretty good shape. A guy who's in pretty good shape, even though he was dismissed as head coach at the University of South Carolina, <laughs> is Will Muschamp. There's some irony here with Will Muschamp because, as you recall, Will Muschamp's first offensive coordinator as a head coach was who? Charlie Weiss. And think right. about the buyout trail. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> that Charlie oh, Weiss trapped from Notre Dame yeah. to Kansas, and more than just a little bit ironic that we still see Will Muschamp sort of doing the same thing now uh, after being dismissed from his second head coaching job there in the SEC East. We wondered about this scenario. We weighed it in recent weeks. If you're South Carolina. And you have to consider the 13 plus million buyout just for Will before you even start talking about coaches with multi-year deals that have to be made good. Um, but the other side of that too, as we talked about, you, you got to consider what's it going to cost you. That's right. Uh, in terms of ticket sales, corporate sponsorships, things like that. That's big money on both sides of this thing, I guess. Uh, the 30 million dollars, uh, including. Muschamp and his staff, uh, but, but Trav, uh, the uh, the numbers, as Nick Saban says, uh, your record uh, speaks for itself. Uh, South Carolina and Florida, Muschamp 56 and 51, 37 in the SEC. That kind of screams mediocrity in a lot of ways, does it not? So I think that's basically what happened, Trav. That they they really came to the point of what do we do? At uh, this at this juncture, with uh, uh, as far as getting any excitement about the program, so they decided to uh, uh, cut their cost. And I'll say this, and I think you've been up there in a while, and 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 understand this too, that they're not bad at all in the facilities. I I mean no. they're that uh, they've got this new, I think it's the Doty and the Trav, this new academic thing, and they've got a new football building, and uh, Muschamp even alluded to this. Uh, uh, a few times that in terms of facilities, they have done better in catching up with the rest of the league over the last few years, have they not? The financial commitment has absolutely been there from the administration and the fan base. So, you know, with that, if you're five years into the gig and you're giving up 159 points over a three-game stretch and right. your background is on the defensive yep. side of the ball, yeah, <laughs> that's not sustainable if no. you're Will Muschamp, regardless of the buyout number. And so uh, we look ahead. We've heard some mention of Steve Sarkeesian, the Alabama offensive coordinator, as a potential candidate there in Columbia. Maybe a guy like Jamie Chadwell over at Coastal Carolina. He's done a nice job of sort of yes. climbing the coaching ladder. And financially, a guy like Chadwell yeah. or Billy Napier might make more sense for SC coming off the uh, golden parachute that uh, Will Muschamp was provided. Well, and, and Trev, uh, we, we both know the long tentacles of Jimmy Sexton uh, <laughs> will probably will probably have a lot to do with this at some point. But uh, and and I know all the the Hugh Freeze situation, and I, I got a text from a uh, uh, from a uh, 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 assistant coach in college football today about uh, look for Shane Beamer. Uh, maybe huh. in the, who's at Oklahoma? I, I thought that was a little bit interesting. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure that's going to happen. It did say Chadwell, Napier, and Freeze too. And I'll say this, Trav. Uh, I don't know if he's gotten credit. People need to pay attention to what Napier's done at Louisiana. I, I know you have. Uh, he is. Uh, he was well thought of when he was in Alabama, and, and he has done nothing really to disappoint since then. It, Trav. It may not be South Carolina. 
but doesn't Napier get a pretty good and a better gig coming up in the next year or so? Well, there was a lot of talk eight, nine, ten months ago that Napier wasn't as interested in the Mississippi State vacancy at the time yeah. because he thought South Carolina either in the last cycle or perhaps this one would come open. So it sounds like, depending on who you listen to, Billy Napier has sort of been eyeballing this opportunity. Yes. How about Billy Napier? You know, he doesn't get talked about as much, but he's one of those he was one of those founding analysts here at Alabama under Nick yeah. Saban. Yeah. Uh, was let go by Clemson, uh, ended up in an analyst role here in Tuscaloosa, worked his way onto the field, uh, has, is sort of like Jamie Chadwell, climbed that coaching ladder as a head right. coach, done a nice job in Louisiana. Uh, well, see, guys, Trav, to me, you've got guys in this day and age who can come in and they can put a team together uh, in uh, two or three years and, and be on their way somewhere else. Or you can get a guy like a Napier or, say, a Bill Clark at UAB who can come in and really build a program that that can be in place for five to ten years. Uh, and I may be wrong, but, but I think Napier could be a guy like that. You're right. When I think of Napier, I think of Bill Clark. You know, some of these guys, I think first and foremost of program builders, guys that understand what it takes to administer a program mm -hmm. at a successful level on a daily basis. And then you think of offensive guys, more so than defensive guys, uh, as play caller slash OC slash head coaches. Uh, and that's where it'll get interesting because if it is Hugh Freeze, we know he calls the plays for the most part no doubt. Uh, as the head coach. I think Chadwell's sort of that same way um, there at Coastal Carolina. So the direction, I would think it's going to be an offensive guy after yeah. coming off the Will Muschamp experience. Uh, but we'll see how it goes with the uh, Gamecocks in this coaching search. Talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News on a Tuesday edition of Southern fried sports so brent um what's the realistic expectation for the league at this point with the postponements with the expansion of available weekends now into december the 19th the same weekend as the sec championship game uh i know it's almost impossible to predict at this point uh but do you think we're going to get these 10 games in in some form or fashion or do you think it gets to a point where the league office is forced to sort of pick and choose you know which games it, it it has to get played even if that means we don't get 10 total in i don't think these commissioners will ever admit this draft but i think when they met um, uh, early on and as as this is going on and i think greg sankey would probably say the, uh, the the same thing after the season is over i think they looked at 10 games and and they thought you know if we could get seven, eight, or nine in at least uh, at that point. Uh, I think they would be fairly satisfied with that. I'm I'm glad to see the flexibility, and I believe it starts next week to where uh, that they can almost uh, schedule on the fly, uh, for lack of a better word, to, get, to give them even more flexibility. Trav, I talked to a, uh, uh, a, uh, a mutual friend of ours who's done some TV consulting work uh, about this same thing. And he said, don't be surprised before the year's over. And this would be very unusual that if you don't see the league, uh, uh even doing a, uh, a Wednesday, Thursday, even a Sunday night type thing, just to get some of these things in. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I, I, I thought that was interesting to look at that, but, but Trav, we had a, we had a, uh, this is Eastern time, of course, but we had a, um, basically a noon game Sunday uh, with, where UCLA won in the Pac-12. Yeah, we did. We woke up to uh, kind of Sunday with the Pac-12 yeah. uh, with, with that game from this past weekend. Uh, odd, but it's almost become normalized, it seems yeah, like, with really as much as we've had to sort of adjust, and certainly the sport has had to adjust. So, you know, as we look ahead to this weekend, Kentucky comes in here. To Tuscaloosa is a 30-point underdog. The Wildcats coming off a three-point win at home over Vanderbilt. And you hear that, and you see that result, and you think, well, 30 may not be enough. 
for Alabama. But I think there are ways that this Kentucky offense specifically is going to give us an update on exactly how far Alabama has come yeah. defensively since Oxford, Mississippi, when the Rebels ran for 268 and four touchdowns on the ground. Um, this is a Kentucky offense that ranks second in the league in rushing. It has a defined quarterback approach right. that is part of the run game and a couple of backs. For me, Chris Rodriguez, I've got a man crush on Chris Rodriguez. <laughs> I love to watch this guy run the football. Yeah. There's nothing flashy about Chris Rodriguez, but when I watch Chris Rodriguez, I see an Alabama back. This guy is decisive. He's hard to tackle yards after contact. Uh, there's an edge and a toughness about the way he goes about it. What do you think, Brent? Do you, I, I think we're going to learn a lot about where this Alabama defense is at, not only right now, but looking ahead a weekend to an offense conceptually that's going to present a lot of the same challenges in Albany. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, and listen, Wilson's kind of come into himself uh, at this point, and, and I know it was Vandy, but he was 13 to 15, ran for 83 yards. But Bo Allen got a little bit of uh, of time. Didn't see uh, Joey Gatewood, did no, he? No, what we did, and, and I think they may be realizing that he's just not ready to play. The he offense, might be an H back, is what well, they're realizing. I, I think that may be exactly right. Uh, their offensive line did not allow any sacks uh, or tackles for loss. Uh, and, and listen. I thought it was going to be Rose, uh, but this Rodriguez kid is close to 600 yards and seven SEC games. So, and, and Travi had 149 on only 13 carries. So, yeah. uh, I, I don't had think 100 he, against Georgia. Uh, uh, right. He sure did. So, Absolutely. You know, if you're thinking that this is going to be Kentucky from the the How Mummy days when it comes to running, this ain't going to be Mississippi State. No, no. In the air raid run game from a few no. weeks ago. Here's my main concern with them. Trev, if you remember when they played Georgia before Georgia played Florida, that's when all those Georgia players went out. Uh, Is that physical game with Kentucky? And and listen, uh, I I will dovetail what you said with the offense. Uh, Doesn't there have to be concern with how physical they are going into this Auburn game? I know. And you think, these guys are talking about Kentucky, but let me tell you, Drake Jackson at the center position, one of the oh, best wow. players in the league. He was a first-team oh, All-SEC center a year ago. Uh, the problem for Kentucky right now, a little beat up at the guard spots, um, but still very capable when you look outside at the tackle positions. Uh, so experienced tackles, a really good center. Uh, they seem to have quality interior depth. This, You're right. It, it won't just be a challenge. Oh. On Saturday, it'll be a challenge to come out of Saturday uh, in good shape, and and that's where the the two week buy that this has become, you know, should help Alabama from a health perspective and and being a, a, as close to full go as it can be. But yeah, I, I don't think this is, you know, I think this is potentially a game where sure Alabama wins handily, but from the defensive perspective, when you look ahead to Auburn a week from Saturday. And think about the, the same type of challenges you're going to get right. from Bo Nix and Sean Shivers and Tank Bigsby uh, and 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 those guys. Uh, you know, there, there might you might have a little bit of a knot in your stomach. That's all I'm saying. Maybe yes. There won't be Alabama will show massive improvement, and there won't be busts at the second level and at the secondary level uh, in, in the run game and, and against the tight end in the passing game. But you're going to see all that on Saturday. There's no doubt about it. Um, otherwise, in the league, Tennessee at Auburn. This was a game yeah. a month ago we were thinking, wow, you know, is Tennessee going to go down to the Plains for the second time in three years, perhaps, and get a W? And what would that mean for Gus Malzahn? But really, the fortunes in the last four or five weeks, I guess, couldn't cha- have changed more for these two teams than, than they have. Uh, well, uh, and listen, they, they, uh, they've lost four in a row, uh, and uh, they still don't ha- have a, really have a clue for what they're doing at quarterback. Gariantano, it's still their best guy, and that's not saying much, to be honest with you. Uh, they've got to tackle better with Tank Big, busy, as you mentioned a minute ago. Trev, they have this thing in the third quarter that's just mystifying. Uh, 
that they, they come out of the locker room in the third quarter and they are extremely flat. Uh, they don't have a lot of leadership and they, and they haven't done a whole lot uh, at this point. Uh, now, Sean Schamberger is out for the rest of the year. He's one of their senior defensive backs. They say he's working on uh, academic issues. As a uh, senior? I mean, yeah. you haven't figured that yeah. out as a senior yet? <laughs> yeah. Work at, hey, Trev, the, the press release said uh, the senior defense bank is, quote, working on academics. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> You're right about the leadership thing, though. And and even though you have a star on defense right in the middle of that defense yeah. and Henry Toa Toa, he's still just a second-year guy. So you're not sure how his voice resonates or even if he's wired that way uh, to be a leader. You've had when you don't have consistent play at the quarterback position, that's a problem that that takes away from the potential for that guy to be a definitive voice for a team. Uh, It's just been it's been somewhat bizarre to watch this play out. And whereas I had full confidence in Jeremy Pruitt in the big picture there at Tennessee, there's been a little bit of a DeBosian feel to some of this yeah. stuff. I don't yeah. know how you see it, but yeah. uh, it's had that sort of vibe in some ways with Brumball being fired, uh, it sounds like, on the sideline of the Kentucky game. And then, you know, everything else that, that's kind of come about in a you know bizarre type nature. Well, and I think unlike Muschamp, Phil Fulmer will protect him for at least another year, and I think he deserves that. I, and, and I think ball fans on that eight-game uh, winning streak, Trav, last year was fool's gold in some ways, even though they did beat a good Indiana team in the in the bowl game here. Uh, so uh, I still think they're a couple years away uh, as far as a, a roster is concerned. But, see, I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about – uh, Trav, he he's got to bolster this coaching staff, does he yeah. not? Get a and get a handle on that. I don't know how much Fulmer has helped him along that line. Uh, I I don't I think he's okay for this year, but I think next year's crucial for him, don't you? I do, and and it kind of takes me back to Will Muschamp and where he might land in all of this. Uh, as either a, a coordinator somewhere right. in the league or maybe as an assistant head coach, linebackers. If you if you like your coordinator right now, if you're a Jeremy Pruitt or a Jimbo Fisher or Nick Saban, even Kirby, all these guys are intersected, you know, when it comes to the coaching tree. And it does. It makes you wonder exactly where, um, you know, Will Muschamp might fit into all this Auburn. He's been there before. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think for Will? You, you think he's at an SEC school or somewhere as a coordinator? Or how do you anticipate or, or vis- envision him fitting back into the, the coaching ranks? Uh, uh, unless he takes a year off. Uh, and again, Trav, my understanding is not only is he receiving money from South Carolina, Trav, he's yeah. getting money from Florida. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I've said it before, you know, if he really wants to be a head coach, if that's really what he wants to do, Southern Miss or somewhere like that. Right. I mean, Absolutely. Southern Miss could do a lot worse than Will Muschamp, and money's yeah. not going to be a big issue for him. No. He's no. got twenty million plus coming from Florida and uh, South Carolina. Uh, you know, I, he could be Jeff Bauer, the sequel in, in Hattiesburg or something. Oh, yeah. you know? uh, or South Alabama, like yeah. or something like that. I, I agree with that entirely. But and, and look, Trev, wherever he goes. Uh, with his former head coaching experience and 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 as good a coordinator as he is, he'll get two or two point five, won't he? Yeah, he oh as a coordinator, yeah, and he won't really need it, but yeah, he's he's certainly capable of Absolutely. of bringing that back. And so, uh, oh, he has Big Twelve experience too, as we know. Uh, sure. One time out there at the University of Texas before moving on to the University of Florida, so it'll be interesting to follow here as we move into the off season. Hey, Brent, as always, we appreciate the time, my friend. Always great stuff. Always great conversation. Always enjoy catching up with Brent Beard. Thanks, Brent. My pleasure, bud. And, and, and let's flip a coin on who that Georgia quarterback's going to be. Oh, jeez. Coming up, Trev, did you see where he took a look at, actually admitted he took a look at KJ Costello, too? Why not? You know? <laughs>
<laughs> I, I, yeah, KJ might be available in season. At he this may point. be. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. I saw where Mike Leach said in the last couple of days, we're preparing for Georgia, but we're hearing rumors that it could be someone else on Saturday. That's, <laughs> that's SEC football in 2020. It yeah. sure is, isn't it, bud? Always Unbelievable. Enjoy, always enjoy it, pal. Take care. Thanks, Brent. There he goes, Brent Beard. We'll be back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Right here. A beautiful afternoon, a sunny sky with a high at 64. Cold again tonight, clear with a low at 37. Sunny weather continues tomorrow and Thursday. Highs between 63 and 66. Friday, mostly sunny with a high at 69. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports. I always enjoy hearing from Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News. Interesting little tidbit at the end of that segment. KJ Costello, according to Kirby Smart, was in touch with the Georgia Bulldogs. Kirby wasn't leaving any grad transfer quarterback rock unturned, was he? Jamie Newman of Wake Forest. JT Daniels ended up in Athens. It's more of the traditional transfer. And KJ Costello apparently was on the radar. I think KJ Costello would have been better in Georgia's offense because I think he needs more of that max protection, play action. Doesn't get the ball out quick enough in an air raid scheme. A little slow getting it out. The lumbering quarterback for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. That's going to do it for a Tuesday edition of the program. Thanks to Brent Beard. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing the show. The lunch whistle on this Tuesday. It is a Thai chicken Tuesday at Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. $2 domestics as well. Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.